0: Yo, it's the Average White Fan Podcast. I am your Average White Fan, Scott Elmore. Thanks for joining. Thanks for tuning in. As always, on your podcast platform of choice, please like and rate and download the episodes. We are two weeks into the NBA season. We've already started the in-season tournament. Called the NBA Cup. We've got special courts out there. I'm digging it. I don't know if you are, but it's kind of fun. We're going to talk about that a little bit this week. I've got some moments of self-reflection this week. We're going to talk about the lesson of the scorpion and the frog. And we're going to look at some marquee matchups this week. There's some, there's some strong teams playing each other. We've had trades and call-ups this week. We've got Bismack Biombo already back in the league. Love that name. Can't say it enough, but I want to start with the in-season tournament. Honestly, there's been a lot of trash about it, a little misunderstandings, yada, yada. People tend to get a little snarky about things they don't truly understand and things that are new. I was starting that way. I like the fact that they put a little cash on the line. That works for me. But honestly, I want to see who wants to win, right? If you're on a team and you're a team guy – and you're committed to this thing, you want to win. I don't care if it's in-season tournament or preseason tournament, whatever it is, you want to win. And you're not just playing for yourself. You're playing for your guys. You're playing for your teammates around you. Right? I shared a video this week on my Instagram at average white fan. And it's Jermaine O'Neal on the All the Smoke podcast. And he's talking about what he misses the most are the guys, his teammates, and that he spent time with them. And Jermaine came in straight out of high school, played in Portland, he played in Indiana. You uh, know, in really long career. He played in the big three after that, Ice Cube's three-on-three league. And, you know, very good. He played all-star, all those good things. And made a lot of money. But he still says what he misses is the guys, the locker room, the plane rides, the training camp time. That's who he spent a lot of time with. You know, just like all of us, we have coworkers that we really bond with and if we stop spending that time with them, we miss them and we miss that time. I think that speaks to how important the team atmosphere is and how much this game can really pull on you. So the money's whatever. You know, winning teams they get half a mil each, the players do. The losing team gets two hundred grand, I think. Coaches are gonna get money, you know, even people that make the knockout round will get money. That's not the thing though. That kind of money, think about it. For Jokic, LeBron, KD, and Giannis, that's like a one percent bonus. If you got a one percent bonus every year from your job, like that's that's cool, right? But that's not going to motivate you. That's not that's not enough money to really push it. You know, Grant Williams and P.J. Tucker, they're role players. It's only 4% of their annual salary. Not to mention, I think there are players every season who have something to prove. And any opportunity to do that, any competitive drive, just like MJ used to take any little thing that could motivate him and go out there and get it. Poor Zingas, and Drew Holiday in Boston. You don't think those guys got something to prove? Every game they're going to show up. Every game they're going to try to kill it. They're both trying to prove people wrong. Drew's trying to prove to Milwaukee they shouldn't have got rid of him. Porzingis is trying to prove to New York and Dallas and to Washington that he's a player and he's a gamer and he belongs in the elite status. Anthony Edwards is trying to get to that mountaintop. And what better way to do it than to win this in-season tournament? It's not like you're playing against lesser teams. It's the same teams. This is giving you something else to play for. I love that they have different courts. Some of them are tough to watch. But I appreciate the NBA doing something like this to try to stoke that competitive fire. Because we all got into this game. We all love it because of the competition. And why do we love the competition? Because getting your guys with you and getting after it, there's nothing like it. So I applaud them for the in season tournament. The NBA Cup is going to wind up being a thing, mark my words. I also had some time to reflect this week on some of my old vibes and, and thoughts on some players and some, some attitudes and things within the league. Right. When you don't watch the game a lot – you tend to watch a lot of coverage. You watch the ESPNs and the Fox shows, and you watch the NBA League shows and the guys on TNT to try to keep up with what's happening. You get on X, which used to be Twitter, or you get on whatever your medium is to find your your sports information. And I was guilty of that. You know, you get busy, you're doing this, that, and the third you know, I was, I was getting it from wherever and watching the game when I could, because quite honestly, I got a wife, I got a family, you got to spend time doing everything. But now that I'm diving in a little more, now that I'm really dialed in, I got a larger sample size and more independent thought. I'm realizing how wrong I was about some shit, right? You ever done that where it's like, oh, you you just repeat what you hear because it sounds cool from somebody you think is cool. And then when you realize, you're like, oh, I'm an asshat because I'm not really thinking for myself on this, right? So that's what's happened with the game for me. Prime example is Joel Embiid. This week, after the, the hardened trade and, and everyone gets to moving around, they start getting the sound bites from everyone. Now, Tyrese Maxey, he towed the company line. He said, you know, James was great, you know, taught me a lot. I, I love playing with him, all those things. You know, kept it PC. And Embiid did too, to a certain degree. He said that they let James do his thing and, you know, he got opportunity and he got the ball. But the reason he said that really hit me. Joel talked about how he's not a great passer. He said, Joel himself said, I'm not a great passer. And James is good at that. So I gave him the ball to let him do it. And, you know, I thought that would make us better. The the fragility he showed right there, the, the lack of ego and the humility and the vulnerability that he showed in that instance, I think showed me a maturity in Joel Embiid I had not seen before. I had thought he was a guy that was wound up about the MVP race, which he may be. I thought he was a guy that was tied up in stats and... You know, can he get the points title and this and that? He may be that guy, but he's also a guy that's realizing that he has deficiencies in his game. And that's a leader to me. I've never thought of him as that. I still don't know if he is a real leader. But that was impressive to me. And I got to give him his props. I got to say, you know what? I haven't been paying attention enough to maybe what he's been saying and doing to say, oh, he's this and that. So I got to give him beat his props and say, eh, you know what, I was wrong. I feel the same way about Russ. Russell Westbrook came into the league. He's a West Coast guy. Didn't see a ton of college ball from him. But he came into the league as a firecracker. You know, high-flying, you know, baseline-to-baseline baseline guy. And high energy. And he played in Oklahoma City with... KD and James Harden, two guys who tend to be on the wing, not driving the ball, you know, just kind of understated guys. And they had some success there. They were really good young. Russ could do that thing. Now, as the league shifted on him and everyone lost their ability to create an offense and they just copycatting Golden State, now they're like, oh, you got to shoot threes, James. They're like, oh, you gotta shoot threes, Russ. We need you to shoot. You know, we we can't have you doing all this driving the ball. Because coaches were not very creative. They didn't realize how hard he plays. And the more I watch him play, I realize it. He plays hard. This dude runs all the time. They talk about, we talk about Steph running without the ball, and he's moving, and he's getting open and all this stuff. Watch Russell Westbrook when he's playing. He doesn't stand off the ball and just stand there. He sets picks. He's running the baseline. He's running down on defense. He's trying to block shots. Russell Westbrook is a superior athlete in this game. And though he may not be able to shoot the ball very well, I think he brings value. And one of the values he brings is to your team as a leader. That effort, you can't teach that. You can emulate it and hope guys catch on, but you can't teach that as a coach. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to change my stick about Russ. Russ needs to embrace who he is as a player. Coaches need to do it, and I've had to do it. So, Russ, you keep doing you, and you keep working hard out there because there, there's a spot for guys who work hard in this league. Giannis is another one. He has such a motor. We say high motor for white guys in football who run the football and who are wide receivers, high motor. That means he runs all the time. Well, Giannis has that. But Giannis is also a freakish athlete. He's seven feet tall, and he can take five long strides and go from one end of the court to the other. He came in super raw. He came into the league super raw, and his basketball skills can still be lacking. But what I see is probably the top two alpha teammate in the league right now. LeBron James is an alpha and he's probably right up there with him as being an awesome teammate. He passes the ball. Giannis passes the ball. Giannis gives up his body on defense. Giannis will set picks. Giannis will make the right pass and he will defer to teammates because he wants to win, because he wants his teammates to feel that teammate camaraderie because it matters to him. This is his family. And I discounted how important that is and how much he provides that in Milwaukee. I think that's what we've lost sight of with Giannis. We look at the statistics, and that's great. But what he provides in terms of leadership and being a stand-up guy on the court and all of those intangibles that you can't see on a box sheet, But you can see when you watch the game, that's what I'm picking up now. Because I wasn't watching him enough. But I see him out there on the court. There was no give up in that dude. He's got a lot of LeBron and MJ to him. And I got to give him his props. And finally, I tend to be a bit of a get-off-my-lawn guy. Yes, my wife will attest to that. I have been saying for the last four, five, eight years – all of these young guys coming in the lead—they're not playing hard. They're making a ton of money, and there's no incentive. And rah rah rah, turn your music down—all that shit. Well, the truth is, there's a lot of young players who I see busting their ass, right? I see Wimby out there. Now he's—he's he's the soup to show. Sure. I get it. Everybody's on the Wimby tip right now. But watch him play, and get over the fact that he's seven foot four, or whatever. Get over that. Watch him. He hustles. He's working hard. Think of how hard it might be at 7'4 to maneuver out there with guys smaller than you. Think about how it is if you're on the court with your kid. Say you you got a kid who's like a foot, foot and a half shorter than you. Try to run around with him out there and not knock him into next week. But then what I also love about Wimby is he's not afraid to look goofy out there doing it. Work with me here. A lot of these guys don't even go up and try to block a dunk. They don't try to dunk on anyone because they don't want to look goofy. They don't want to look like they got dunked on. They don't want to look kind of out of sorts out there, right? No, Wimby does it. He's trying to recover on defense, block a shot, hustle for the ball, do whatever he can do because he's working hard. Zion Williamson, they got him running point forward, point center, whatever you want to call it. Dude is 6'9". I watched every game of his at Duke. He's only a few years removed from high school right now. He was not a ball handler. That's not what he was asked to do. And now he's being asked to run an offense, and he's doing it. And he plays hard, and he tries to block shots. He gets frustrated, but he gets after it. Jalen Brunson's the same way. He gets after it. Anthony Edwards, this guy, is afraid of nothing. They play hard. So I'm going to take the whole don't play hard back. I'm going to say there's some guys in this league who don't. We're going to get to some of them. But I can't put it on just young guys because I see some of them out there busting their ass. And I, Scotty, doing third person right now, has got to take that one back because they're getting after it, right? So there's a great story about kind of understanding who someone is and, and understanding the things they tend to do. It's called the story of the scorpion and a frog. So there's a scorpion and a frog standing on the edge of the river, looking across. They both want to get across. And so the scorpion says to the frog, hey, let me get on your back, float across, you get me across the river, it would be cool. The frog says, no, you're a scorpion, you're gonna sting me, that's what you do, I, I know you're gonna sting me, that's what's gonna happen, right? Scorpion's like, no, why would I do that? We're going to get out in the water. I'm going to sting you. Next thing you know, we're both drowning. Why would I do that? You know, it's mutually assured destruction if I do this. Like, I'd be crazy to do that. So the frog's like, fine. Okay, get on my back. We'll start floating across. They get about halfway across. Scorpion stings him right in his back. And as they're both starting to float down, the frog's like, oh, my God, dude, why? Why did you do that? you doomed us both. We're both going to die right now. Why would you do that? Scorpion says, hey, I'm a scorpion. That's what I do. I sting things. There are players in this league who are scorpions. That's just what they do. Now, some of them, it might be a good thing. But for a lot of players, it's a negative thing. I think it's important we call scorpions for who they are. I'm going to start with Kyrie. another Duke guy. Love him. Wish he didn't act like he does. But Kyrie is one of the most scorpion scorpions in the league. He's averaged 23 points a game for his career, which has gone from Cleveland to Boston to Brooklyn, and now he's in Dallas. Shorter stays as he moves along as well. You know, he had his time in Boston that seemed to get a little sour. And he said he was coming back, and then he bolted. And he goes to Brooklyn. They have a super team. And for whatever reason, he could not shut his mouth. He just kept saying Kyrie things and Flat Earther. And then he started in on on posting movies he shouldn't have. So then the next thing you know, Kyrie is playing the victim, and now he wants out. I want out. The owner didn't support me. Let me out. And like they do in the NBA, they let him out. So they figured out a trade with, with Dallas, and they sent him there. And it starts off great, like it always does with a Scorpion. But Kyrie's going get to get to the middle of that river, and next thing you know, he's going to sting them. It's already starting. He's not engaging. So look for that. Kyrie's going to show you he's a Scorpion before you know it. James Harden is another one. You know, I talked about Embiid and, and his maturity. James Harden, is, he doesn't have it. He's another one who is starting to have shorter and shorter saves. You know, he was in Houston. They made him the focal point. He averaged 30-plus points a game. But he got Dan Tony fired, and it was time to go. So he goes to Brooklyn, And he's there for a little while, but he doesn't like it there. He doesn't like – I don't think he likes Kyrie's antics or whatever, but he's just not diving in. He's not engaging. Oh, I'm not happy here. So he goes to Philly. And now in Philly, he and Daryl Morey aren't getting along, so he's going to leave there. Everywhere he goes, he disrupts. He disrupts team chemistry, any player development that's going on, because everything has to be catered to him. Everything – he said, I am not a system player. I am a system. What the hell is that? This is a team game, James. But he doesn't get it because Harden is going to go out and do Harden shit. He needs to play the way he plays. I'm going to do what I do. And then when you don't like it, that's a you problem. And so I'm going to ask to be traded. And I'm going to talk about somebody's a liar, this and that. You know what Daryl Moore lied to him about? He lied to him in Houston when he told him that you can do this and you'll be the top player ever. That was the lie, and then Harden believed it. Julius Randle is another one. We're seeing it now, walking back on defense, not playing hard, getting pouty about things on the offensive end. He's got a good team around him for the first time in a long time. He's got Brunson. He's got R.J. Barrett, who actually looks good now. Josh Hart is there. Hartenstein and Robinson, they're good. But he can't get out of his own way. If it's not him making them good, he's going to turn into a scorpion, and he's going to tank this shit. So mark my words. Some, at some point this season, Randall will voice his displeasure with how things are going, and will force New York to do something to try and and appease him, whether it's a trade or make him more of a vocal point or get rid of tips. D'Angelo Russell will quietly be a scorpion in L.A. Now, we all know he ran his mouth a little bit, told some some stuff on Swaggy P when he first got to L.A. in his first stint there. If you don't know the story, evidently, D'Angelo and and Swaggy P were, they were spending social time together. Something went down. D'Angelo told the business. The girlfriend found out. It was a mess. So now back from the real housewives of L.A. Now fast forward to now. D'Angelo is still a bit immature. D'Angelo is still making bad decisions. Mixed in with a good one here and there. But eventually, he is going to, every game, show you his scorpion stinger and mess mess up your team for that game. He's going to make a bad pass, make a bad decision about a shot, mess up on a defensive assignment, and it's going to cost the Lakers a point or two here and there. And that can be a big deal in a game as you get closer to the playoffs. So we need to accept that these four guys – are scorpions. They are going to sting you in the ass before it's all over with. And what I'm finding is teams are finding a lot of unhappiness in their lack of acceptance, right? Isn't that what your boy Eckhart Tolle said? It's the lack of acceptance that gives us all our unhappiness in life. So I think that's what these teams are doing. All right. So enough about that. Let's get to the ball. Last week's picks... All right, Tuesday night, I had the Magic and Clips. I thought the Magic would come in and take it by five. The Clippers won by 16. I don't know. Magic are having trouble showing up for some of these big games. I think Paolo's trying to do too much. A lot of them young guys are trying to do too much to stretch it. Pacers at Celtics. Celtics won by 51. What the hell happened in that game? Right? There was no Halliburton, I think, in the second half or something. But Jesus Christ. Whoever bet the over in that game made off like a bandit. But Celtics were hitting everything, and the Pacers couldn't do anything. Spurs, Suns on Thursday. Look, the Spurs beat them on Tuesday night and then turned around and won by 11 on Thursday. Thursday night, Booker was back. I think the Spurs had great energy, and I think the Suns are still trying to figure it out. And why are the Suns not playing ball bowl, bowl? Why would you not put the only guy in the lead that can look damn near eye to eye with Wimby out there? Once again, Frank Vogel. I told you all in the coaches episode, Frank Vogel ain't the one. He can't deal with this kind of adversity. Warriors Thunder Friday. I had the Warriors by seven. They won by two when Draymond basically basket interfered and they didn't call it. The Thunder were plucky. They weren't scared of the Warriors. I don't think anybody is anymore. Suns and the Pistons on Sunday. I had the Suns by 12. They won by 14. No Booker, but they still managed to do that. The Pistons have got to help these guys understand. Monty has got to figure out how to make these guys understand who needs to get shots and who doesn't. Osar Thompson, the rookie who is more of a defensive guy and a slasher, 14 shots, only hit six of them. Not, Not what you need him to do. So this week. Last week was youth versus experience. This week, we've got powerhouses, right? I've got, I've got heavyweight matchups this week that i got to watch. Wednesday night, Celtics at the Sixers. I want to I wanna see this clash because I want to see Embiid, Porzingis. I want to see Maxi and Holiday. I'll, I want to see what they can do. And let's see if, if some of the forwards that the Sixers picked up can play some defense on Jalen and Jason Tatum. I still think the Celtics win, but I think it's less than 10, like maybe seven, eight points. Pelicans at the Timberwolves Wednesday night. I think I think the Pelicans may be starting to figure it out a little bit, but they're still struggling. The Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards is willing them to some wins, but Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, I say Gobert because that's who he is. I think that the Timberwolves are, are a mess, but they'll be – Close enough in this one, and it's at home. They'll probably win by five. Warriors at the Nuggets Wednesday night, old man game, old man game. Nuggets win this one. I think they win it big because I don't think the Warriors are the Warriors of old Nuggets by ten. Thursday night, Hawks at the Magic. This is when we're going to see who the Hawks really are because they are not a physical team, and the Magic will run through you. I think the Magic take it to them in Orlando. Magic by 15. Friday night, Lakers at the Suns. Lakers are going to take them this time because the Suns are having to figure it out. They don't know who they want to play. They don't know who's healthy and who's not. Bradley Beal still isn't playing. I think the Lakers are starting to figure it out. They're hustling a lot more, so I'm going to take them over to Suns by five. Bucks are at the Magic Saturday night. Once again, the Magic are going to leave some marks. The Bucks will win, but I think it'll only be by six or seven. And then Sunday, I've got the Pacers at the Sixers. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Halliburton, the Battle of the Tyreses. You've got to check that out on Sunday. I'm going to be actually traveling back home, so I'm going to definitely try to catch that one and not be too tired. Uh, Pacers, you know what? I'm going to take the upset here. Pacers by seven over the Sixers. I think the Sixers are going to be worn out from the weekend. All right, that's it. Make sure you follow the podcast, rate it, like it, do all those good things. Tell whatever platform you're listening on that you love The Average White Fan. I appreciate you tuning in. Next week, we're going to talk about some of the glue guys, some of the important players that I like to call them totem players that are really the foundation for their teams. I also want to talk about who are the important players on teams, not necessarily the most talented. So this is the Average White Fan Podcast. I am Scott Elmore, your Average White Fan. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the basketball.